Uh, let's turn our attention, though, to uh, God's Word. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to First, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> um, it's kind of a standalone sermon. It's always weird when you go to another church, you don't want to, like, start a new series or, you know, anything like that. And I didn't want to, like, yeah, and I think you guys are on prayer um, right now as a theme. Uh, but I'm like, let Joby and Tyler do that jam, you know, like, this is just something different. So um, hopefully it uh, blesses your ears and lives. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, a message that I feel like I live constantly um, in the Christian life, and uh, I, hope, I hope it'll be a blessing. But um, uh, we turn to just the first chapter, 2 Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Um, this is the word of the Lord. And there's also your prayer series connection. So there you go. Pray for your pastors. Um, The message, just be true to yourself. Um, have you ever heard that kind of a theme before in anything, maybe pop culture? Uh, I think be true to yourself kind of summarizes um, about every Disney movie I think I've ever seen, you know, growing up and even to today. Um, but it, uh, the reference really comes from Shakespeare, um, you know, the one that authored like Hamlet and uh, Julius Caesar and all these great plays, Macbeth. Um, but he said, uh, he wrote, to thine own self be true, and it was a line from Act 1, Scene 3 of uh, Hamlet, spoke by uh, King Claudius' chief minister, Polonius, as part of a speech that he gives to his son going off to university. And uh, before that even, in classical antiquity, there was uh, the oracle of Delphi, or Delphi, who, who put it like this, know thyself, Socrates picked up on that too. And like in antiquity, which is ancient times, in our own present day, one of the, the worst um, cultural sins we might be able to commit today 
is to be inauthentic. To not be true to yourself is to lose yourself. And a person who's found themselves is one who has a, uh, who's true to yourself, wherever, wherever that leads, whatever that means. But the, the central point there is that it's all wrapped up in the individual, me, myself, and I. I choose my, you know, purpose. I choose what, who I am, what I want to be, um, and have the power to do so. And everything is up to the individual. As an individual, you can overcome anything. You can get to decide who you want to be, and you can be a hero of your own story. And it's a story of, when you look at it, it's a story of power, right? Like, I, if I just dig down deep enough and look inside, I can overcome anything. You know, just believe, right? All right, I'm done, right? There you go. That's the gospel, right? No. But um, that is a message we hear. And um, one of the ways that we see this played out often in our own lives is when someone we know is going through a very difficult time, a difficult season in life. Maybe they're losing their spouse. Um, maybe they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Maybe they're going through a divorce or someone they know has been or their child's really sick, or job loss, or just mounds and mounds of stress like from everyday stuff, and you're just exhausted. Um, and there's a lie that either we tell ourselves because we're so enamored and caught up with like the daily messages of you know, Disney and all that. Uh, I'm picking on Disney. but um, Or we will hear it told from others who are trying their best to comfort us, but they don't know what to grab on to, right? Because maybe it's not God, it's something else, and so they're just trying to say something rather than nothing to, to fill the, the void. And what this is, is it's a complete lie. And this morning, I kind of want to openly talk about the lie that we can believe, uh, mostly because it's so pressing on our cultural moment. And then I want to kind of... Ex- proclaim the, the truth that we refuse to believe. Um, so we're going to consider two points this morning. If you're a point person, if you're not, then ignore it. But um, the first point that I wanted to make was uh, the lie we tell ourselves, and then the second is the truth that we refuse to believe. So two points if you take notes and all that, but the lie we tell ourselves. What, what lie do we often believe or hear from others seeking to comfort us in hard times the lie is, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. If you just believe, or if you put enough faith in yourself, or you discover who you were really truly meant to be, you know, if you change who you want to be even, you'll overcome and you'll get through whatever life throws at you. You, know, you got this, right? It's that impulse, the lie we, we tell ourselves or we hear over and over again in different ways. And um, have you ever heard that statement before, you know, when you're going through a difficult moment? And it's like, you don't want to be mad. Like, it's not like, oh, I hate you for saying that, you know, but it's like, is that really true? You know, is that really how um, the Christian life is? Um, I want to look at what the Bible says about this, though. Um, I mean, that's our, that's our goal is we want to know what, is, what does God think about, about this? Um, a little context and background on first Corinthians, or sorry, 2 Corinthians. Um, the letter was sent and it was uh, read at a time when 
the Apostle Paul's relationship with um, churches that he had planted was, uh, it was very strained. Um, there was a, a tension there. There were adversaries or intruders in uh, the Corinthian churches uh, who were trying to usurp his authority and discredit the Apostle Paul. And um, people in the church were actually questioning, you know, is Paul this apostle who talks about weakness so much and chooses to live in weakness? Like, is he really someone who has the power and authority of Jesus? Because the usurpers in, you know, the churches, they were very powerful people. They were great orators. They had it all together, you know. And so it's very convincing. It's like, oh, well, you know, do I choose to hear, like, CEO of Disney, or do I just look at this little squirrely pastor dude, you know, like, well, this one seems like better, <laughs> more successful. And that's kind of the tension that's going on in, this, in these churches. And when they really looked at uh, who was telling these, you know, fibs, they saw power. They saw credibility and success, and their interactions with Paul, um, you know, he, he, he writes these great words, but when he, he comes in person, he He's kind of forgettable. Um, he's kind of weak. He's not powerful or even successful. He's kind of raggedy, a tent maker. And their eyes still believe that God will never give you more than you can handle, I think. So Paul writes, um, I'm going to re- reread this so we can focus in on it, but verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we abundantly share in Christ's... What's that word? Sufferings. Hmm. So through Christ, we abundantly, we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same, what's that word again? Sufferings. Sufferings. That we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as we share in, there it is again, our what? Sufferings. Gosh, why is so much about suffering? You also will share in our comfort. I mean, How many times does Paul use these words that are so unfamiliar in our vocabulary? Um, I mean, you can read a bunch of research on this, but like, you know, as Americans, we don't really like to talk about death. Like, we'll do anything to avoid that conversation, you know, especially around the dinner table at, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. Like, you just, we, it's uncomfortable. You can't even find a a cemetery anymore in Southern California. Um, It's, you know, hard to, hard to, hard to even think about death in the, the life that we have kind of um, carved out for ourselves today. But he says these two words that are, like I said, non-existent in our daily chatter. They're affliction and suffering. You know, how often do you hear those words when you're talking um, to other Christians? You know, it's like, well, I'm so blessed. Like, it's not, well, I'm suffering, like, horribly right now. Like, how, how about you? Oh, I'm suffering horribly right now. Like, great, <laughs> so glad, you know. <laughs> It's like, but that's the, the kind of thing that Paul is so focused on. When we meet somebody, you know, we usually just respond um, or we say, you know, hey, how are you? I'm good, you know, I'm good. Everything's good. It's always, even if we had the worst day ever, the worst year, it's, it's good. 
All, everything's good. We're afraid to, to share. We, we don't really hear, you know, um, I'm actually doing awful. My truck broke down. My dog died, and my wife is leaving me, and she's taking the house. You know, like maybe a country song, but that's not how we talk to each other. Like we're not going to unload all of our, our garbage and, you know, what's going on in a casual conversation. And, and I mean, we don't really want to all the time. Anyways, that would be kind of uh, laborious, but... Um, the words that Paul says here are uncomfortable. They, they, sh- they make us uncomfortable because success and strength and power are really what we crave, what we hunger for, what we want to be a part of, and even what we want to portray to other people, right? Putting your best foot forward, being successful. Those are our idols, Paul says affliction, he says suffering. That's how deeply seated the lie that we tell ourselves is, and we need Paul's emphatic emphasis to break through and break us out of that lie. It's got a grip on us. And the best word that I can think of to capture the sense of affliction that Paul is trying to describe here in this opening passage of 2 Corinthians is a word... The word pressure, Um, it's that feeling of enormous pressure that we get when we're overwhelmed and we're out of time. I mean, think, has there ever been a time in your life when you've been just put on the spot, you know, you have a deadline coming up, maybe it's work, maybe it's final exams, you know, just so much, you're so busy, and you feel like uh, you can't take on another thing, and then another thing comes, you know, when it rains, it pours, and you're going, golly, I can't get through this, this is just... I'm I'm done. And then more comes on. In 1981, Queen and David Bowie struck a chord with their hit song, Under Pressure. Everybody knows that song. I mean, you could cue the hi-hat when it starts. There's the bass line. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Some piano, the percussion, cymbals, clapping hands, snap your fingers, electric guitar, and that unforgettable voice. Pressure, pushing down on me, pressing down on you, no man ask for. Under pressure that brings a building down, splits a family into, puts people on streets. I mean, you can hear a pin drop with those lyrics. Those, those hit. They describe the human experience, the human condition. And the song ends, yes, this is our dance. Yes, this is ourselves. They put that common feeling to music of what it feels like to be stressed out and burdened by someone or something or your life circumstances, and they just pile on. I mean, you feel me? Have you ever been there? Or at least watched somebody going through that kind of suffering, and you know you can't really do anything to help them? Like, in your own power, there's nothing you can do. And so you scramble for the words, God won't give you more than you can handle because it's uncomfortable and I don't know what else to say and I'd rather say something that sounds godly and I'm freaking out right now. Like, you're going to be okay. (laughs) But you're just a human like they're a human. Are they? Are you? It takes the right number of circumstances that any of us can, can get there, right? Even the streets. 
under pressure. And that's, again, because everybody's human from, you know, the cashier at the grocery store to the doctor you see because you have strep throat or, you know, everybody, the pastor who pastors this congregation. But we keep buying into that lie in a way. We ignore the facts about ourselves in order to bypass and avoid that uncomfortable truth what is that truth? What's the truth that we refuse to believe that I'm trying to bring up here? Well, I don't want you to be unaware of this truth. Um, this truth will free you from the affliction that you might find yourself in today or in the future. And this truth is hard to believe, but again, it's freeing when you, when you believe it. So the truth is that God will absolutely, positively, 100% give you more than you can handle. Yeah. He will give you more than you can bear. How is that freeing? Well, look with me again at uh, verse 8 of our passage. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is Paul's words about his experience in Asia. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Now, we don't know exactly what Paul experienced in Asia. Like the details are left out. Uh, commentators argue for days and days and pages and pages of it uh, being one of three things, boils down to. Some might say it was a mental illness. Others say it was an illness that was terminal and then eventually turned around and didn't end up killing Paul or his associates. And then others say he was facing intense persecution and was beaten in prison, shipwrecked, and you know all the things that we do know about his life, and he was running for his life, and um, that was the situation. We don't know the specifics is my point. We don't know exactly what it was that brought him that low. Um, but I don't think the specifics are the point. I think he would have told us the details if he thought it was needed. Paul is maybe being intentionally vague here on the details because he wants us to see that it could be any of those things. It can be any number of things that anybody, not just an apostle or a pastor or a ministry leader could face. It happens to everybody. Anybody can suffer. And can you identify, resonate with this message? So utterly burdened beyond our strength, he tells them. We despaired of life itself. He says that. We felt we had received the sentence of death. Wow, Paul. Whatever circumstances that was, that Paul was facing, it had pushed him over the edge. It was beyond his own resources and capabilities. It was bigger than he could handle. So does God just give us what we can handle? Is that, is that the message? You can do this? Yes or no? No. Not according to Scripture, anyways. Not according to the Apostle. God gives us, God may also give you more than you can handle. More than you can bear. 
And you see, when we refuse to believe that truth that God will give us more than we can handle, sometimes we believe the lie that we're out of options. We think there's no place to turn, nobody else who will understand or relate, nobody who can feel what we feel. But that's the lie. That's the lie. The truth is there is help. There are people who experience this and who are there for you, who who will listen. There's a God who's not just up above in the, the clouds, but a God who came down below in his son Jesus to give hope and freedom in your pain, in your, comf- in your affliction, in your suffering. God's plan for our suffering, says Scripture, is redemption, no matter how bad it's been. Uh, some of the more than I can handle in my life, uh, maybe if you have community groups after this, share some more than you can handle with each other, you know. Um, but some uh, probably really... Difficult time for for me was uh, not this recent summer, but last summer, the year before that. Um, uh, I had a friend who was a faithful congregant and uh, a good he was a friend. Uh, he died unexpectedly in his sleep in his early fifties, um, and uh, I did his funeral. And then on a, a Sunday morning following that, um, our dog died from a very freak accident. It does happen. It, he got uh, strangled by his collar. Um, apparently it happens more often than, than, than you would think, but um, it was a very freak accident because we had two dogs, and our smaller dog is the one that didn't die, which is like, how did that happen? Her little tiny leg got wrapped up in his collar. It's like, how, I don't even know like how that could happen, but whatever. And she's fine. She had not even like a scratch, really. Um, Two months later, our, our church closed permanently. We said goodbye to a dream of uh, a church in San Marcos. And uh, around that time, we were also dealing with the reality uh, that our nephew's cancer had returned. He was two years old. Um, and, you know, battling that. And then my sister was going through a divorce. So I was like, just throw it all on there. You know, what else? Like, bring it on. <laughs> Love it. Um, so it was, a, it was a pretty bad summer. Um, and those are some of them more than I can handle, right? Just to be a little transparent. And those things are hard, right? Those things are difficult. And there's probably worse. Maybe you've experienced way worse than that. You're like, dude, stop being such a crybaby. Like, that's nothing. Um, like, my more than I can handles are way worse, you know? <laughs> like, maybe they are. And the question that comes up, though, whenever somebody's facing difficult circumstances, is along the lines of, well, why would God even want to give us more than we can handle? I mean, how do we really reconcile that with this, like, God is benevolent, he's loving, you know? But that doesn't seem to really match up with that. If, the, if our experience is, you know, we have to go through kind of a hell in this life sometimes. Why would God even want that for his children? Um, isn't God supposed to be kind and loving? And why do I have to endure pain? Well, God's purpose in giving you more than you can handle is so you would stop relying on yourself, that you wouldn't just believe in yourself, you know, but you would trust God. That's why. That is his purpose in suffering. It is actually for your sanctification. It is for your growth. It sucks. (laughs) It really sucks. But it's actually for your good and his glory. 
He wants you to come to that end of your rope, not so you'd be strangled by it. He's not maleficent. He's not an evil God. That's to believe the lie. But the truth is, and don't refuse to believe it, God wants you to trust in him. He wants you to really know that he is there. He is not absent. He's not aloof to your suffering. Look with me at the second part of verse 9. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. That's faith right there. Suffering and really unfair circumstances, they can and probably will happen to you at some point in your life if they haven't already been happening or haven't happened and you're like, gosh, why are you bringing this up? I don't want to go back there. That was dark. But you remember his mercy in those moments. There are two ways we can respond to that kind of suffering and to prepare you for it or even help you reflect on stuff you've experienced. Uh, The first way we can respond to suffering is we can continue to just do what we're usually doing and just trust in ourselves like we got this. But that only leads us down that road of despair and relational conflict and bitterness, brokenness. Because when the pressure is actually there, like who can bear that? You're not meant to bear that alone. The second way we can respond to suffering is to cast our cares on the one who cares for us. The one who cared so much for us, in fact, that he sent his son, his beloved son, to endure the worst kind of divine affliction that any human being could experience. more than any human being could ever handle. So we wouldn't have to bear that. Talking about Jesus, talking about the good news, the gospel, that great announcement. You know, the pressure that you're under or you might be under one day doesn't have to end badly. Paul's offering all of us not just a way out, but a way through suffering that embraces it and acknowledges it, doesn't deny it, doesn't say uh, suffering doesn't exist, you know, Buddhism. Like, it's not real. Dude, it feels real. (laughs) It is real. But a way through suffering that leads us to hope and encouragement and comfort, true comfort in the God of all comfort. God's not going to keep you free from suffering. Like, that is not what's promised in in this book. Like if you're looking for prosperity and, and uh, you know, a success how-to book, probably won't recommend the Bible. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's probably not going to lead you to, um, you know, uh, your best life now. But um, will lead you to your best life later. I promise that. Um, when you face pressure, God wants you to come to him. And to dive deeper into the fellowship of saints, that community of suffering ones. 
with others who suffer too and to celebrate with him, with God, with others, not defeat, but true victory, that God raised him from the dead. Jesus is risen. And God allows us to be put under pressure so we'll learn and we will relearn over and over again how to trust him, how to trust in the one who had actual power over death, conquered it, killed death, and offers you the one who bore more than you could handle for you. That's God's promise to you. Let's pray. Father, we know that um, real authenticity is not avoiding the appearance of suffering. It's not believing the lie that uh, you won't give us more than we can handle. But it's believing the truth that you might give us more than we can handle. And um, authentic people, an authentic community, won't act like we're too good, uh, so we have to try and power through it, or we'll deny that we're going through anything hard faking it till we make it, but recognizing that our lives are both marked out by suffering and affliction and comfort too, that those things can coexist and commingle in ways where you are working and where we ask, Lord, that you would help us to see that Weakness is a sign that we are, in fact, authentically created and redeemed and loved by you. There's this upside-down power of Christ in us that it, it doesn't make sense to the world. But that's because we are not of this world. We belong to you. And apart from you, we can do nothing. So embed that truth in our hearts and minds this morning that we would cast our cares on the one who cares for us. You, Lord, give us faith today. Amen.